You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. Today is Monday, June 20th, 2021. Episode 82 of Season 3 and Episode 147 of The Garrett Ashley Mollett Show. Today we're going to talk about the coming Christian persecution in the West particularly and in the United States of America even more specifically. I've been thinking about this topic for some years now. I'd say early in Lauren's and my marriage, maybe even shortly before we got married, I came across a series of books that were a partnership between the Christian music group DC Talk and Voice of the Martyrs, this organization founded to highlight Christian persecution around the world. And in their books, Jesus Freaks, the books that DC Talk and Way of the Master worked together to write and publish. They highlighted not just relatively recent examples of persecution, but examples from the New Testament and throughout the entire history of Christianity. And so I read these stories. I read both books, Jesus Freaks 1 and 2, and I was disturbed by what I was reading, but I was also encouraged, oddly enough. I was encouraged and also ashamed of myself, oddly enough, because I'm reading these stories and I'm thinking, I don't have that kind of courage. Do I really believe these things enough that I would be willing to suffer like that, to die like that, and to be forgiving my tormentors even as they're tormenting me. I read these books, and they stuck with me. Right now, what we're seeing as far as the way that Christianity is talked about and treated in popular culture and the mainstream media, the stories that come out with some regularity about Christians who lose their jobs in schools, in universities, at major corporations, in churches, in government, because of their biblical position. They're insisting that they're going to believe what God says is true is true. What God says is good is good. What God says is false is false. What God says is wicked and evil is wicked and evil. Those people losing their jobs are not just losing their jobs. They're also spoken about in certain ways. And you see the way that they're spoken about if you browse through the comment sections on all too many of the stories that come out with regularity. Furthermore, I know my own experience. I know the way that I'm treated, even by people who profess to be Christians sometimes. You say something that is biblically true, sound, undeniable, plain as day from the text. 
I'm not talking about weird, obscure things, but obvious things, historically uncontestable things that you believe as a Christian because you're a Christian and that's what Christ said was true. Or that's what God's word says is true. And if I don't believe God's word, then how am I a Christian? Where did I learn about who Jesus is and who Christ is and what the good news in the gospel is and what is the good news of the gospel if there isn't some need for me to have a savior because I am lost and broken apart from God's redemptive work. I'm dead in my trespasses apart from God's salvation. I don't know what to do with someone who says, Lord, Lord, but they have hearts that are far from him. And moreover, they accuse his saints who do love his word and who do strive to be faithful by God's grace of being fake Christians. I don't know what to do with them. I'm sure God knows what to do with them, but I don't. I watched a sermon last night, oddly enough, while I was playing a computer game that our pastor had suggested to me on uh, pirates. I was pretending to be a pirate. Not not raiding and pillaging anybody that I ought not to have. I was just fighting skeletons and things like that. But I watched this sermon, When Government Rewards Evil and Punishes Good, June seventeenth, two 2021. Grace to you, the YouTube channel. I'll include a link in the description for this podcast episode. But it's a John MacArthur sermon, and the title of the sermon is When Government Rewards Evil and Punishes Good. And this is a playoff of Romans 13. Romans 13, very often, in these kinds of discussions about the role of Christians to either obey or disobey a command from the governing authorities, the local civil magistrate. Very often, the Christians who are in the loyalist camp, who are in the just-go-with-the-flow camp, who are in the just-keep-your-head-down-and-do-what-they-say camp, we-don't-want-any-trouble camp, please-don't-hurt-me camp, those Christians say that Romans 13 proves without a shadow of a doubt, that we are supposed to obey whatever the government tells us to do. Now, they never say it in those words, but that's how they mean it. And in context of when they bring it up, when there is a pushback against something that the government has just declared or required or prohibited, in context, it's undeniable, it's unavoidable, that Romans 13 is thought of as a blank check. It's thought of as a get away with murder, say whatever you want, do whatever you want sort of mandate for the governing authorities. And it's true that very often corrupt governments get away with murder, at least humanly speaking, and they do whatever they want and they get away with it, humanly speaking. But there's another way to look at Romans 13, And that involves reading more than just Romans 13. If the only passage in all of the Bible that you are aware of and know when there's conflict with the local governing authorities 
because some of the things that they're commanding and instructing are at odds with what is good and what is true, if the only passage of the scriptures that you know and are familiar with is Romans 13, you might need to read your Bible a little bit more. No offense, but you got some studying to do. There's a lot more in there, for instance, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. That is civil disobedience. That is not. Romans 13 means Nebuchadnezzar gets a blank check. Theology. That is a Christian call to disobey illegitimate authority. For instance, when government rewards evil and punishes good. When government rewards evil, it throws parades for people who are perverse, nasty, confused, deviant. When government rewards evil, your children will be read to at their local public school or public library by transvestites dressed in drag, caked up with all that makeup. When government rewards evil, violent criminals get off scot-free because they're not white, because the color of their skin requires social justice, which means we think of we think of guilt and innocence in collective terms. We think of guilt as being, have we had enough yet? Have the people in that community over there got their shots in to even the odds yet? Have we had enough eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth yet? So then a wicked, evil, nasty man or woman can perform the most heinous, hateful, vicious assault and you just don't understand. That's their form of protest, as Christina Cleveland puts it. Who are you to judge them with your Western values, your presumptions of objectivity? Who are you to say that that's not a valid form of protest? They've been treated unjustly. Look at them. They're poor, living on the streets. They don't have a nice house, nice car, nice clothes, nice place to live. They haven't had a good education. And that's your fault. Actually, if anybody needs to be punished for what they just did, this violent assault, this arson, this theft, it's you. You're the one who's to blame. Just ask Tim Keller of Redeemer City to City in New York City. That's actually your fault. If you think as a white person that you can say, well, I never picked any cotton or owned any slaves. That was well before my time. That is none of my business. I don't owe reparations. I don't owe apologies. I have not had slaves. I've not treated people of other ethnic backgrounds in a disrespectful way. You can say that. And if Tim Keller hears you say that, he says, well, no, you'll make more money over the course of your lifetime than somebody who doesn't have white skin. So therefore, you are actually part of the problem. Wait a second before you move on really quickly, charming sir. Explain that to me. How does 
my making more or less money over the course of my lifetime on average, according to your statistician, how does that make me part of quote unquote the problem? How does that make that white person over there guilty when somebody throws a Molotov cocktail through a car window or like the footage I saw from David Harris Jr. on Instagram, it has disturbed the daylights out of me, but it's footage from Chicago caught on security camera footage, I believe. There was some kind of a Puerto Rican parade and a whole bunch of African-American, black American thugs somehow Pride opened the door to a couple's car and dragged them out and shot them dead on the street right there. Half in and half out of their car, shot them dead. I watched the whole thing. It wasn't very long. It didn't take long. 30 seconds. And why? Because they were flying a Puerto Rican flag out of the back of their car. And apparently that justified their lives being snuffed out. When government rewards evil and punishes good, what is the church's responsibility? When Romans 13 says that the governing authority is a minister of God to reward those who do good and punish those who do evil, and that the governing authority does not bear the sword for nothing, what is our position? What is our line? What is our statement of intentions What's our position when that sword that's not born for nothing stays in its sheath when it comes to violent crime from evil, wicked, depraved people? But it comes out in a jiffy if you try to have a church service that wasn't authorized because COVID, due to COVID. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. This Canadian law enforcement officer reportedly told a pastor in Canada who was being arrested for holding a service in violation of public health orders. In violation of public health orders. What kind of health? Are these orders actually promoting public health or are they destroying public health? You see, there's a couple of different ways in which a person could be healthy. A person could be healthy physically, but not just physically. If that's all we think there is in the universe, it's just the physical, the material, then our public health orders might only consider physical health. Physical health is not the only kind of health that we need to be concerned about. Father's Day was yesterday. I've got to remember that when it comes to loving and serving and leading my wife and my children. Physical health is not the only kind of health there is. There's also mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. How am I doing on protecting those other aspects of a healthy person, promoting my family's spiritual health first and foremost, and then downstream from that, their mental health, and downstream from that, their emotional health. And at the end of all of that, you know what? Your physical health will be affected by whether you are spiritually, mentally, and emotionally healthy as a person. If you're spiritually, mentally, and emotionally sick, it will have 
a negative physical effect. But if you're healthy, if you're healthy, you might have physical health problems, but your ability to endure those is so very much greater. Scientifically, science knows this. But see, this is no longer about science. Now, the public health orders, the safer at home, that you've got to wear a mask, you've got to wear more than one mask, you've got to get this vaccine. If you don't get this vaccine, we're going to destroy your ability to make a living. We're going to destroy your reputation, your social standing. This vaccine mandates business and the mask mandates business before it and the stay at home and you're not an essential worker business before that, all of it is about one thing, not health, one thing, power. All of this is about power. Who has it? Who doesn't? Who has the power and who doesn't have the power? So I watched John MacArthur's sermon and that's the funny thing. Anybody that knows me personally for any amount of time knows that I'm not the biggest John MacArthur fan. And it isn't so much first and foremost about John MacArthur as it is about the people that I know who put him on such a pedestal. It makes me uncomfortable. I think that's not spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, necessarily to put him on such a pedestal to where you can't disagree with anything that he says. I think that that's dangerous. But here's the thing. Here's where John MacArthur looks pretty darn heroic to me is when he's stepping up to the plate as so many are hanging back because secular authorities have been put on a pedestal and can't be questioned and you can't disagree with them. You can't disagree with them even if you're just repeating that God disagrees with them or rather more to the point to put the cart and the horse in the right order, those secular authorities are disagreeing with God. See, that's the thing. We have to figure out authority in a not godless way. And that means that you don't relate to legitimate authority, giving legitimate lawful orders like a rebel. Because Romans 13 does mean that that civil magistrate, that authority is a minister of God. They're absolutely doing God's work to put a check on the worst impulses in human nature. They are absolutely doing God's work here on earth to go and protect and serve innocent men, women, and children and to stand between them and evildoers. And if you make their job harder, if you're disrespectful, if you're rude, if you're unappreciative, if you're trying to hurt them verbally, physically, it doesn't matter, you are resisting God. That's what it's about. Right? That's what Romans 13 is actually about, is that when you oppose legitimate authority, you're actually opposing God's authority. That's why I say that this rebellious streak when it comes to marriage and gender in our day, young people think that they need to be a boy if they were born a girl, or they need to be a girl if they were born a boy, or they want to experiment and they want to be gay or lesbian or bi, all of that is not first and foremost about just upsetting Christians, right? We get confused sometimes. We think that being mocked as Christians for believing what the Bible says, teaching our children that, teaching in our churches that, trying to share that and explain it and understand it better and live according to it, 
We think that us getting mocked is because these people just hate us and they're out to get us. No, 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 no. Don't take it so personally. It's not you they hate. It's your God. It's your Jesus. It's Christ. It's Christ that they hate and are mocking. And because you resemble him in any degree, you are distasteful and offensive and an insult to them. You're offending their senses. You're a buzzkill. You're inconvenient. And the truth that you have to share in relation to what it is that they want to do and are doing and have done is an inconvenient truth. But if they can bully you, if they can grind your face into the dust, if they can run you down and make all manner of false accusations against you, then maybe you won't have time to call them to repentance. Maybe you won't have time to look so squeaky clean and make them feel, by contrast, more aware of their own filthy living. Now I say that, and here's the rub. Here's how we know that this is closer than it was when I read DC Talks and Way of the Masters, Jesus Freaks. 10, 15 years ago. If I share this podcast episode, it could cost me professionally. It could cost me socially. I share this podcast episode. It could limit my ability to get work, to get promotions, to get advancement opportunities. It could affect the way that I'm treated in the workplace to live like this. Saying these things is dangerous. But it's not just dangerous in the sense that we take a risk. I mean, it's dangerous to the lifestyles and attitudes of people who've turned their back on God and resent him and hate him and hate anything that reminds them of him. They had a painful loss and now it's God's fault and they're angry at God. And now they are God for all intents and purposes, in their own lives. They didn't get what they wanted. They should have. God's withholding from them what rightfully belongs to them. So now they're going to take it. They're going to take back what's theirs. Their birthright, supposedly. Careful. Careful, careful. That's satanic. You might just find politics makes strange bedfellows where what you really, really want has a lot in common with what Satan really runs. What Satan really wants is things that God has not given to him that don't rightfully belong to him. What Satan really wants is for us to join him on that quest and that journey of taking things that don't rightfully belong to us because we're discontent. It's not enough for us that God gave us really good gifts and that we haven't even played with the toys he gave us. So why are we discontent? Why are we discontent? Because... We are born into a broken creation and we need Jesus to be our restorer. We need him to make us right. We need him to make us right in the head and in the heart. And yes, sometimes in the body, but COVID is not the greatest public health crisis in history. Believe it or not, it's not. I mean, even just physically, you've got the Black Death the bubonic plague, smallpox. I mean, there's been plenty, 
plenty of pandemics, plagues, which were far more lethal than COVID has been. It's sad and pathetic that we've been able to do to ourselves what we've been able to do to ourselves in such a short span over allegedly 600,000 deaths. I'm not saying the 600,000 deaths are no big deal, but what has been pushed and done to try and mad scramble protect people from this sickness, this illness, has been worse than the disease. The cure has been worse than the disease. And that's true, no less, in the case of Canada, where pastors are being arrested, churches are being barricaded. I watched the sermon by John MacArthur, and he is willing to go there and put two and two together to make four, not five, because there's a boot on his neck or your neck or my neck, but four. Two plus two equals four. It always will. It always has. He talks about Revelation and Isaiah, and he talks about biblical prophecies, Old Testament and New Testament, concerning the last days. And the way I've always been told to interpret these passages, the way he's interpreting these passages, is that Satan somehow gets power over the whole world. Somehow he puts up an antichrist in a position of authority, and that antichrist is able to rule all the nations. And the church is persecuted. How does that happen, really? If we believe what the Bible says is true about what's already been done, what's already been accomplished, and what I mean specifically is Jesus being born to a virgin, living a sinless life, being arrested on false charges, beaten, crucified. He dies, is buried, and he rises on the third day. If we believe that that happened, those supernatural things, those things that are more than just the natural, because that is the point of God performing miracles, is to declare for all present that he is sovereign over the material. As in, there is more than just the material, and also that the material is not the most important thing any more than it is the only important thing. But in Revelation, you have Satan being let loose to terrorize the world, to oppress the world, to rule the world. And John MacArthur says it right, that this is government. This is talking about a one-world government. The greatest threat right now in America is not Black Lives Matter, and it's not Antifa, and it's not the LGBTQ agenda. The greatest threat to our mental, emotional, physical health, and our spiritual health is the government. Right now you see governments coming together for a global response initiative, pushing, prodding, maneuvering, adjusting. And if Christians don't understand Romans 13 properly in context, Christians are going to be deceived by this whole one world government thing. And they're going to find themselves obeying and worshiping the Antichrist. 
not Christ, the Antichrist. And if that's okay with them, and they're cynical, and whatever, they can just shrug. And what's it to me? What does that have to do with me? But for those of us who are in Christ, and don't just go through the motions, and don't just show up to check a box and to say that we did, we have to have a piece about being called fake Christians when we're trying to be faithful Christians. I appreciate John MacArthur having the courage to all but say flat out that these lockdowns on people in their homes, thrown out of work, and especially told they can't get together and sing. They can't even sing. You can't get together as the church and sing songs to God. Why can't you? Because it offends the local godless ruler who thinks that you should worship them and you should not worship God. They'll grant waivers to their friends in the entertainment industry to go make a movie, to make a TV show, to have a concert. They'll personally go to restaurants that are not supposed to be open based on their own orders because in their minds, they are God. They're playing God, and in their own minds, they are God. They're playing God because they think they should be the God of their own universe, and that's satanic. This is what gets the church persecuted throughout history, folks. This, this right here, calling a spade a spade, calling Herod to repent of taking his brother's wife, refusing to bow down to golden statues of the king. And even in the case of Romans 13, thank you, Mr. MacArthur, and God bless you. And may the Lord keep you, and may his face shine upon you. John MacArthur points out that Peter and Paul, despite having charged us to honor the emperor, to give honor to those who honor is due to, despite having told us to submit ourselves to every authority as unto the Lord, Peter and Paul die martyrs' deaths at the hands of of governments which are at war with Christ, which are at war with the gospel, which are at war with the Christian testimony and practice that we read about in the New Testament. They're put to death because they do not obey, unequivocally. They do not obey categorically, always, in every circumstance, without question, without qualification. You have to read more than just Romans 13 in order to understand that Romans 13 applies because of God's authority. If God does not have authority superseding the human authorities that you're working with, then you don't even need to obey legitimate human authorities. Because what? Right? Says who I've got to obey? Who's going to make me? God? Well, if somebody doesn't believe that God exists... They're not going to obey even legitimate authority because in their own minds, they're supposed to be the only legitimate authority. That's why they want power. That's why they grab for power. And when the rulers of the nations collectively are apathetic at best when it comes to Christianity, but hostile at worst, 
And when they're godless, and when they want power, and when they want the fulfillment of this generations-long, centuries-long vision of bringing all the nations in the world under one umbrella, when they want that, is it impossible to believe that the whole COVID thing would be orchestrated specifically for the purpose of doing what they're doing right now? We're not fully there yet, but the lockdowns, the crackdowns, the social engineering, the new normal, none of that is done in a vacuum. All of that is done from a certain set of presuppositions about the nature of reality. And when the left castigates Christians in major publications, in major American publications, we're not talking about Chinese Communist Party, but then again, increasingly, what's the difference? What's the difference between CNN and the CCP? What's the difference between the New York Times and Pravda? Christians are anti-science. Christians are the reason why we're still locked down in our homes. Those Christians, those jerks, those smug, self-righteous bastards getting together, refusing to obey these lawful orders, those rebels. It's because they're Americans. Americans always wanting to be free. Where do they get off? Who told them they're supposed to be free? Who told them that freedom is a value and is their birthright? God. The answer is God. God told us that. And because God told us that, and we can't read the scriptures any other way, in order for us to believe you, you'd have to first divorce us from our belief in God. So then what are they doing? They allow grocery stores, Walmarts, other shopping centers to remain open. But churches, churches through the last year of the supposed pandemic, weren't allowed to be open. Walmart, you could go into. And I had a very long conversation with one of the pastors of Summit View Community Church here in Greeley, Colorado, in the parking lot of Walmart. Long conversation. Because we're allowed to be there. The government said it's okay to be there, but church is non-essential. Church is non-essential to you in your mind because you're a naturalistic, godless brute beast who thinks that all there is is the physical. And you resent and loathe and detest and mock the idea that there is something more than the physical when we Christians cling tightly to meeting together. You know, I say that. Yesterday, we actually went back to church again for the first time in a month, my family and I. So people hear that and they'll think, Garrett, what are you talking about, right? You just were away from church for a month because your wife wasn't feeling well. I mean, there are extenuating circumstances. Well, yes, yes. But we didn't stay home out of fear. We stayed home because I love my wife and I love my children. And I know that the strain on us from her being pregnant right now, the strain on all of us, the strain on the children, on her, and yes, me, I can be a little bit selfish here. The strain would have been too much. And it was better to just stay home and let her rest, let the kids rest, let me rest. And we would be back. And we were. That's not the same as COVID, where you have perfectly healthy people being told that they're not free to associate with who they want to associate with. 
when it comes to worshiping Jesus, singing songs about God's faithfulness, encouraging one another in their Christian lives. That's not okay. Perfectly healthy people believing that they are free to do that because they've always been free. Because they believe that is their birthright. They believe that that's their birthright according to God's word and according to the self-evidence of natural law that's written on every man's heart. Seared consciences need not apply, but it's there. John MacArthur is absolutely right. You should check out his sermon. There's also an interesting article on thedailywire.com this morning by John Brown talking about a new documentary detailing government crackdown on Canadian Christians, likening that crackdown to communist China. Quote, the underground church is not just in China anymore. I'll put a link for that in the podcast description as well. It can happen here. It can happen here. And we've got to know how to make up our minds about it when it happens here. I have a fiery disposition. Some people might have noticed. I have a tendency when it's fight or flight to fight. I want to be fighting in the ways that God wants me to be fighting. I want to honor God first and foremost in the way that I relate to persecution. I don't want to repay evil for evil if somebody smacks me on the one cheek because they're just being rude and insulting. Then I'll turn them the other cheek as well by God's grace. Maybe. Hopefully. I've only got two, right? (sighs) One last thing before we go. My sons have a Discord channel, and I've talked about this recently, how they are back and forth with some people that we know, some kids that they knew from Ohio and Montana, and yes, here in Colorado as well. But everybody here in Colorado that they're connected with has been peachy keen, nice people. Some of the folks, some of the gals, some of the girls, I don't know why it's all girls, but some of the girls that my sons have been interacting with on this Discord channel where it's, I don't know, eight kids, ten kids, three of these girls have been just lighting my sons up for being supposedly homophobic because my sons, when these girls bring it up, say, no, that's wrong, right? Homosexuality is wrong because God says so. Well, that wasn't translated correctly, one of these girls said. My cousin tells me that that wasn't translated correctly. Okay, well, your cousin's wrong, and you're wrong, and that's silly. And how about if you think it was translated incorrectly, you make a case for the evidence. Bring forward your evidence, and we'll consider it. And we'll take a look at it and we'll talk about it. We'll go back and forth. Well, of course, they don't want to do that. But what they do want to do, what they think is more worth their time, is running the nonsense machine on the server and emoting. We live in an emotivist time, as Carl R. Truman would put it in The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. So we emote. We don't have to argue. In fact, one of the girls told my sons, She doesn't like all the arguing on this channel. Well, okay, wait a second. (laughs) So who started the argument, right? One of these girls pops in and she starts spamming 
a rainbow flag all over the screen and then says, I support LGBTQ+. Oh, wow. So brave. So brave. And then my son's engager. It's like, okay, if you say you don't want an argument on that, well, this person over here is getting away with being a rude jerk and taunting and mocking. You don't tell them. You don't criticize them for being out of line and rude and obnoxious on a server that doesn't even belong to them. It belongs to my sons, by the way. But you don't go after them for taunting and being rude. You choose instead to criticize my sons and call them stupid and call them anatomical parts by one account, saying that all boys are stupid and you're homophobic and you guys are bullies and you're toxic and all men rape women. That's all they do all the times. They just go around raping women. Like, what? What? I mean, this is real. This is, this is really going on. And, and these are kids that my boys have a connection to from church. In the one case, it's a connection from church. In the other case, it's a connection from homeschooling. And so it doesn't take hundreds of years, ladies and gentlemen. All, all you need is one generation of parents not instilling in their children, this is what we believe, and this is why God's word is true, and this is how we should then live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the days, most of the time that we have, because the days are evil. All it takes is one generation. So as for myself, as for me and my house, you can choose whom you will serve, whether the God who brought us up out of Egypt or the gods of the Egyptians, the gods that your fathers worshipped in futility, how'd that work for them? Not so great. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to encourage my sons to turn the cheek as much as they possibly can. And also to not be afraid to uh, kick little girls who don't have good manners off of their Discord channel. Just saying. Okay. Anyway, that's all. That's all. I don't want this podcast episode to be too long. My last one was 50 minutes. Right now, my average for season three is 40 minutes. So it's not 30, but it's also less than an hour. On average, over 82 episodes, or 81, I guess. 81 episodes, my average is 40 minutes and two seconds per episode. So got to trim this one back. Keep it in the lines. As always, thank you for listening. Hopefully this was an encouragement to you. Don't get discouraged. We've got to continue meeting together as Christians, and we've got to teach our children after us, and we've got to be studying these things for ourselves, and we've got to be meditating on them. And by God's grace, we will endure, and God will be glorified in this, and he will save a remnant for himself. And that's all we can hope for, I think. But as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.